0: Hello, and welcome to FGC Philosophy. My name is Tavian the Philosopher Napier, and this is where we focus on leveling up inside and outside the virtual arena. We do that by talking about topics, having a conversation, and just exploring ideas a little bit. And today we're going to be exploring Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, this is a anime-style fighting game that just released on Friday, I believe. Uh, I did wind up picking it up for PC. Uh, this is something that I had planned and set aside money for for a while, because I knew I wanted to do tournaments in it, I played the beta, I liked it, and so I just want to discuss the game, where it's at now, where I think it could be, uh, the, the culture right now and how they're reacting to it is very fascinating. I think the topic of Guilty Gear Strive is a very fascinating conversation, so we're going to get into that in just a little bit. So first off, a couple of check-ins on my side. Uh, The season has ended for the Rocket League teams that I was coaching. Uh, My highest accomplishments are second and third place for two of the teams. There's a school in New York and a school in uh, California that I coach. And uh, they, they got second and third. You know one of my teams was in grand they were both in finals first off so that's amazing uh, but they are both at least in finals got one win uh, so none of them went zero and two in the double bracket mode uh, they did a round robin double round robin into a top four and uh, I, I feel very accomplished for them it, it's kind of interesting being a coach because i'm not doing any of the work physically right they're the ones competing they're the ones doing everything but it's just how you facilitate them, how you give them exercises, how you help explain ideas and concepts to them, how you find out where their weak areas are and help them improve on it and also help them find their strengths and help them, you know, lean on their strengths a little bit as well. So it's, I've always coached one on one for the most part and I've had some group conversations, but I've never had a chance to really just uh, outside of the summer camps work with a team, a specific team that already existed, rather than coaching and forming teams with the students that I have to work with. Uh, So it's really, really great. It was really fun to work with them over the season. I actually got a bit of a promotion while working there, so I'm going to be helping, well, I'm going to be running their stream, right? I'm going to be the one that's directing it. At first, I'm going to start running the stream just uh, getting started off, but eventually we'll have commentators and analysts and other people as well, so I'm really excited to help build that so i'm pretty thankful to concord education i'm excited for the the future of what that's going to entail but i'm also glad that i do still have the opportunity to coach with them Uh, they were the ones that i was coaching in their league for so it's really cool because i get to uh, do what i do best and they do the marketing for me right i'm a coach i have a service but they're the ones that invest money into marketing and i can kind of just sit back and do what i like to do and you know coach for five to 10 hours a week for you know, 30, 40 hours a week, I get to coach more and more and more. I really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, and I haven't really enjoyed the marketing myself part of it. I, I think I slacked off once I got my job uh, in, in the university working in esports. I stopped focusing as much on my coaching business because I was making so much money uh, with this university contracting with them. So uh, it was really, really exciting. The highest, you know, I was on the news. I was on, you know, getting interviewed by people. I was winning awards. So uh, that really, really took my focus. So now that I'm finally again making success in a different area, feels very nice, feels very validating that the effort that I'm putting in is definitely worth it. So I'm really excited to see what that turns into. I'll give you guys updates as I get them of course, you know, we're still doing the Street Fighter and Dragon Ball tournaments. We are close to week 50 now. We're on week 45, I believe, of our online tournaments, our Mighty of Monday tournaments, so it's really exciting to see that that consistency is there, and we're still getting great players, and we're getting more players, and we're getting more uh, recognition for our tournaments. That's insane. You know, some of the best players in the Dominican Republic enter our tournaments, and they also enter in other tournaments, and They're also playing It's not just free for them, because there's so many good players that join into the tournament. It's not guaranteed who's going to win. That's exciting. But then you also have my community joining the tournaments, and they're improving. I'm seeing improvement from a lot of the players, myself included, which feels amazing that I'm keeping up with these players. Uh, It's really challenging, right? I want to reflect on this for a second. The fact that uh, I naturally was not a competitor, or at least I was too afraid to compete. For a good chunk of my life, you know, my, my prime, uh, from basically youth all the way up to early 20s, I really held back who I was. I never truly applied myself. Partially because of fear of failure. Partially because I didn't want to embarrass other people if I was better or if I knew I was better at something. But I always held myself back. And it, it really bothered me because I didn't know why I did it. And I learn to stop doing that. And after I stopped doing that, I really embraced my competitive nature. But I also along that time had to embrace the fact that I'm really really good at helping other people get good at stuff. Like that's one of my talents is I can sit down with somebody whether they're really new or the best in their in their field and help them be even better. Because I'm not measuring them against anybody else. I'm measuring them against themselves and what they're capable of and what they could be capable of. It's kind of like I can help unlock people's potential. I don't know why I'm that way. I just always have been. I'm very fascinated by how the brain works. I'm very fascinated by how mastery works, how improvement and learning, all that stuff. It's really, really uh, fascinated me. So there's always been this tug of war of coach philosopher and competitor philosopher and which one is going to be the primary and which one's going to be kind of the tertiary. For most of my career, it's been a primary of, of my business, whether it be coaching or commentating or whatever it is, and a, a tertiary, a secondary of competing as well. My performance has always reflected that. But I I think in letting go of worrying about where I land competitively and just improving at the game when I play the game and just enjoying it for what it is, Street Fighter V specifically... Uh, I I was able to get better, and I was able to stop restricting myself of what I thought I was capable of, and I've seen consistent slow improvement. Not not plateaus. I don't plateau really anymore. I just I keep getting better at stuff, just really really slowly, but really consistently. I play at least once a week, so I have that to look forward to. I also watch high level matches at least once a week because the same tournament I enter and commentate on is the same tournament that high level players on. Uh, so I've kind of created this self contained environment where I can get a little bit of everything that I need so even if I don't put extra time into it I'm hitting the bare minimum you know to maintain as long as I'm competing and playing some sets and watching matches and talking about it and hearing other people talk about it and getting responses from people and engaging I kind of get everything all in one day but then I have other days if I have free time to improve on that so that's really exciting Outside of that, you know, trying to continue to improve being a family man, always learning about parenting and trying to uh, challenge myself and also challenge my son in, in healthy ways. You know, figuring out how to encourage him to to want to learn something or encourage him to, to not quit. He's learned the phrase, I can't, uh, and I'm starting to see him already making excuses by saying, I can't do something. Like, I can't lift something up when it's like a feather or something like that. He'll say, oh, I can't if he doesn't feel like doing it. And and trying to have that conversation with him of, hey, you know, if you don't want to do something, that's fine to express. But be careful about saying I can't. You know, I can't sometimes is a very valid statement. But sometimes I can't is a invisible prison that we put ourselves in. And being a parent, it's hard to have that decision making skill especially in a moment to be like hey what's the best thing to say in this situation you know if you're tired and you're frustrated and your, your kids being very unruly you're kind of your, your patience is worn down and in those moments it's really hard to just be like now son let's sit down and talk about this conversation and you know and, and like really get deep and philosophical with a two year old right it's not going to go over very well they're not going to listen they're going to check out They're kids they have a short attention span That's that's normal uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you, you have the right to just blow up on them and yell and say, hey, listen, blah, 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 blah right? It, there's this balance, this middle ground of sometimes, hey, right now isn't the time to have this conversation, but, you know, I'll circle back to this and not remember this. But uh, right now you are being bad, so, you know, there's repercussions for that or, you know, if, if, if we're talking about, you know, in terms of saying I can't, there's no punishment for that really, it's just... All right, fine. You know, I, I disagree with you, but we're going to move on. But it just depends on the individual situation and the battles you choose to fight. Uh, and that's something I'm always continuing to learn how to do is to choose my battles uh, to make sure that I compose myself even when I'm stressed out or I'm tired or or, you know, I'm distracted or something like that, trying to pull myself back in. And with that said, I want to dig right on into Guilty Gear Strive. I want to talk about this. A few people have asked me my opinion. And first off, I think it's still too new. And that's why I said this is my first impressions. Because let it be known that my opinion can change. People's opinions can change. The game could also change and update and, and all, ki- all kinds of stuff, right? So I want to make sure that we understand this is first impressions. And then I want to revisit this topic in maybe a month or so. Or, or even like a couple of weeks just revisit this topic because I'm very fascinated by Guilty Gear Strive, not just as a game, but what it means to the fighting game community and what it is meaning for the fighting game community. (laughs) So we'll we'll dig into that. But I want to talk about the fun stuff first, and then we can talk about the more controversial topics, right? So the first thing I want to talk about is gameplay. And again, this is my first impressions. I haven't sat down and played every single character. I have messed with a few of them. And I have done the first part of the tutorial. The castle, I believe it's called. They have it separated by, like, basically beginner all the way up to master. I think there's five different areas and they have different levels of topics within them. I did the bare basics. Uh, the videos are going to be on YouTube. The first video is already on YouTube. The second one will be up there. If you're curious about the tutorial uh, and learning the mechanics of the game, I'll be going through all of those just to, to help people learn the game and to challenge myself to improve at the game, right? Uh, But that said, uh, first off I've been maining Nago Ryuki, he's this really cool character. Get this, he is a black samurai vampire. Let that sink in. He, He is such a cool character, he has these dreadlocks and the ponytail, he has this crazy mask that he wears, he has a giant sword and like samurai armor. Uh, he's also a vampire, so that plays into his mechanics of the game because he has to actually drink blood from the opponent in order to satiate his blood rage. So there is that. that's a thing, right? <laughs> it's a fighting game. This is a fighting game I'm talking about, but it just it sounds ridiculous. A lot of the characters are very over the top in their own way. It's very creative. It's very artistic. Uh, but in terms of the gameplay, I love the way it feels in in some ways. People are saying this is the most accessible Guilty Gear, but they've also said that they made the execution for the game harder. So that basically means it, it's harder to do certain combos and special moves because it's more strict. But the way the game plays in terms of some of its mechanics have been simplified a little bit, and some of the mechanics are a little less rich, I suppose. But there's still a lot of mechanic variety, mechanics variety in the game, at least for me. You know, you have the Roman cancel system, which... Uh, I don't want to get into in-depth in this episode, but essentially it's kind of the Swiss army knife that in different situations reacts a little bit differently depending on what you're doing. Uh, and so it, it, it has a different use when it's used offensively, it has a different use when it's used defensively, it has a different use when it's used in neutral. It, it's, it's a really fascinating feature of the game that I've been intimidated by since early Guilty Gears. This this feature has been in earlier... Almost every single Guilty Gear has had a Roman cancel system, at least as far as I'm aware. Uh, I've played with a lot of other Guilty Gear heads that are very familiar with this game to differing degrees. And so I've heard Roman cancels a lot. I've also had old friends in other FGCs that I remember learning Guilty Gear from and talking about the Roman cancel system. Uh, so I definitely know it's been around for at least a few generations, right? Uh, and that, that's, that alone is, is such a fascinating mechanic. Uh, they also have different meters that I'm still learning about. There's different mechanics that I haven't even gotten around to. Uh, I love the way Nago Ryuki plays. He's like this slow lumbering character that has these, these giant samurai swings, but he also can send out a clone of himself. He has these cool moves, really big buttons. But then you have like a really fast ninja with weaker attacks, but can be all over the place switching sides. You have a character that fights with their hair, and uh, they have all these crazy agile moves that can fly around the screen. It's very, very interesting. You have one character who's considered a gorilla, but she's this little female cute pirate character that has a giant anvil and can summon dolphins and whales. <laughs> uh, and his character is considered unga bunga, as they say. Just very uh, turn off your brain and press a bunch of buttons and just attack the enemy is essentially what they're saying. <laughs> it's funny. It's really, really funny. It's its interesting. The game is still very complex, in my opinion. If you're not a Guilty Gear player, you know, if, if you're someone who hasn't grown up with Guilty Gear, this game is very complicated and intimidating. It can't be. It's the simplest Guilty Gear to date, maybe, as far as people are saying. But if you're not familiar with it, it's still very complex, you know, uh... It's like if you, if you worked in an industry for a very long time versus someone who's just hopping into the industry. Like, yeah, you may have specialized in this area over here, this specific job, but you're probably way more familiar with that industry than someone just getting into it. Uh, and uh, it's, it's something I'll talk about in a little bit more, but it, it's definitely affected how the community talks about this game. So in terms of gameplay, I think the game just gets like a A+. a plus. It feels great. It feels like it's how it's supposed to play. I, I am not a Guilty Gear player, so my opinion is coming from someone who just likes fighting games in general. uh in a former game developer. There's definitely other areas that can be improved, but in terms of gameplay, I would say that it's it's really, really good. You know, maybe characters can be tweaked here and there to make it more fair, but in terms of the mechanics of the game, it's, it's fun to explore, it's fun to do and learn. It looks really great. So I I would say, yeah, in in terms of gameplay, uh, depending on your affinity. If you like fighting games, you're open-minded and willing to learn something new. You like anime and you like heavy metal. Then it's going to be for you. And I'll actually take a second to talk about audio as well. I'll talk, talk about the music. So the music in Guilty Gear is heavily inspired by rock. A lot of the characters' names and aesthetics and themes are, and and even their movesets, are inspired by rock and roll songs or bands and all kinds of stuff. I I can't regurgitate a lot of it to you because I'm not the hugest uh, rock and roll fan, but I do appreciate rock and roll. I will listen to it from time to time. And I gotta say the soundtrack, there's a, well first off, there's a lot of music to listen to because it's not just Guilty Gear Strive music, it's older music as well. Uh, And that's part of the reward system is you get currency and you can go fishing and and when you go fishing, uh, you unlock stuff like character colors and and artwork and uh, stuff to dress up your avatar, but also music, soundtracks. And then you can set the music in the menu. So you're able to change what you want to listen to based off of your personal preference. And there's there's tons of older songs uh, that people are nostalgic over, so they get to access that again once they unlock it. It's pretty cool. It kind of creates some anticipation because you're not just getting music for free, you're unlocking it, but it's not super hard to do. As long as you're playing the game, you're going to earn currency. As long as you go fishing, you're going to unlock items. I think it's a pretty nice balance. The only tweak I would say, uh, which has nothing to do with the music in, in terms of the rating, but in terms of the the gameplay of the menu i guess i i wish you could go fishing for more than just 10 items at a time because uh there's like a lot of animations that play and for me it just seems really monotonous to just keep pressing that button over and over again it feels like a phone game like a phone gacha game where you're summoning monsters after you get enough currency i'm not a huge fan of just like building that anticipation over and over again i understand there's like a whole subgenre of youtube videos where people unload un- unlock unpack stuff but it's not for me So in terms of the music i would say it's an it's an a maybe b plus nothing wrong with the music also another thing to note is that the music a lot a lot of the music was performed and or composed by the game developer daisuke but daisuke is a developer and apparently he also likes making music uh, again the music is well done since rock isn't my main thing but i think it goes great with this game i don't i don't want to be too biased against it but i think an a is pretty fair The main theme song, (laughs) it's just like, so the guy is Japanese, right? If you hadn't figured that out, he likes singing in that. I don't, I don't know the PC term for it, but it's basically where you're talking in English with a really heavy accent. And he's, he's Japanese, the intro song. Or whatever, the trailer song? I I don't know what it is. It's like the main theme of the game. I think it's called The Smell of the Game. But the first lyrics you hear are, This is bullshit crazy. (laughs) This is great. He's like, This is bullshit crazy. Like the way he sings it is hilarious. uh, For me. But it's also kind of badass at the same time. I'm really curious to dig into the mind of Daisuke. I haven't done that yet. But I may have to research a little bit more into him. Uh, One of the other things I want to mention is the animation style of this game. Uh, there's a really good video, if I can find it, I'll, I'll link it, but I, I don't know the name of it, that explains in Guilty Gear Strive the animation choice they did. And this is a very basic explanation of how the animations are done. Guilty Gear had traditionally been more of a, a 2D hand drawn aesthetic, and as such, it could be animated differently. They moved over to 3D character models with a 2D aesthetic in Guilty Gear Zerd. In terms of their animation, because their aesthetic that could go into uh, how they did that as well, but I'm, I'm as a former animator, I'm more fascinated by the animations. And as such, the way that it works is they, they fully animate the character and then they go back and they reduce the fidelity of the animation by removing frames from the animation. And it gives it more of this jerky, hand-drawn feel where they're almost like really quickly micro-teleporting from frame to frame, that's that's not by accident. That's intentional to make it look more hand-drawn and look a little bit more uh, uh, stiff when transitioning from certain kinds of animations. It's very, very slight, but if you look closely, you can kind of notice the jerky movements. Jerky isn't the right way of explaining it. If you're watching this on YouTube, then there should be gameplay going along with this, so you can actually just look a little bit closer. If you're on the podcast version, just uh, either check the link or... Find some Guilty Gear Strive gameplay or some Zerd gameplay, and you'll see what I mean. Now, the netcode and the online lobbies and matchmaking are where where things get a little weird. Uh, Because the netcode is incredibly important for fighting game enthusiasts who play online. Uh, If you don't play a lot of fighting games, netcode is essentially my connection to an opponent, and how stable it is, and how that affects the gameplay. Our measurement of time is measured in frames. One frame is one sixtieth of a second. We we have moves that are less than a second fast. Uh, We have to make choices where we only have maybe 1 to 5 frames to do something, right? And as such, timing is incredibly important for fighting game players. It can't be a delay between the opponents in any sort of way. And if it is, it has to be handled in a way that's manageable for the players. As such, netcode is that connection to the players and I gotta say Guilty Gear has some great netcode there's not really a lot of lag other games that are very very AAA very big budgets they have laggy lobbies compared to this game and uh, we as fighting game enthusiasts have become complacent with that Uh, but also I think developers have become complacent with that I don't know who's at blame you know developers ultimately because they're the ones that are not taking the work to, to fix that issue But with Guilty Gear, that's not really a huge issue. You know, there's not a lot to say on it. It just works really well. When you're in a match, it plays how it should play. Every now and then you might have a laggy match, but I've been in the Japanese lobbies, which usually is unheard of in a fighting game, and I'm not really having a lot of delay uh, or, or any difficulty inputting my moves or anything like that. I don't think my opponents seem to be having a big issue because they've been rematching me. But the issue comes into play with the lobbies, and how you get into a match. Before you can actually get into a match, you have to connect to the servers, which for some reason takes a very very long time to do. I don't know why that's the case, but currently it is. When you first boot up the game, a lot of times when it's trying to connect to the lobby, that's an issue. The other issue outside of that is if you're trying to play offline, you go to a local. It seems to want to still play online and it takes a minute before it lets you play offline because it's looking for the server. I don't know if you can even play the game unless we use our phones as a Wi-Fi hotspot to connect to the game. So as such, I'm not completely sure how you play it offline. So that's an issue. (laughs) Uh, But also there's this kind of interesting avatar system where you hop into this 2D world and you walk around to play have matches with other people. I'm really simplifying this. So for people who have already played Guilty Gear, um, you guys can kind of skip ahead to me getting to my opinion of it. But for people who haven't played, you know, I just want to explain a little bit, help you visualize this this world. It's very like 16-bit, 8-bit graphics, right? All the characters. You can customize your character with clothing, general clothing or clothing inspired by characters or, or different like set pieces like armor. Essentially a lot of the online lobbies revolve around this. It's done differently depending on what you want to do. If you want to do competitive, it's differently. There's different floors that you can access that you can't access once you get too good. That way it prevents you from beating up on newer players and only playing against players of the same level or higher level. I like that. I like that a lot. I like the concept. Uh, one of the issues with the ranked mode, however, though, is if I start off on the sixth floor, for example, and I'm winning matches, first off, I have to queue up. So I go into the online lobby. I go into this tower on, on the sixth floor. You know, there's an elevator it takes you there. You're walking around then you essentially register for a match. You can either challenge somebody else who's already ready for a match, you can queue up so that somebody can challenge you, or you can go into the practice room and you can practice while the game looks for a match for you and you can accept it once you find that match. If you win too much, what happens is it kicks you out of that floor, which in theory makes sense because you're not accessing those players anymore. You're not allowed to beat up on lower level players. You have to fight people of your level or what we consider to be your level or higher. That's okay. The issue is, is it literally kicks you out of the floor and your character has to then choose a new floor to load on, which should in theory be the next floor up. Uh, So there are some solutions with that where it could automatically put you on that floor, which I feel like is what they want to do, but it's not doing that. It's taking you out of the lobby, having to have you reconnect into the network, choose the floor. So essentially this goes into wait time. And wait time is how much time that you have before you're playing the game again. Until you're doing the intended activity, which is playing a batch with an opponent. It's a very first world problem to complain about, first off, like this, this is all very first world problems, but we gotta be objective here, I like being objective, I've defended this game a lot, I've also been very critical of this game, just like any other game, but I gotta say, you know, people were very very critical of these online lobbies, and I kept saying give it a chance. Now, the lobbies themselves aren't the issue, it's just the fact that loading times and connections take way longer than they're probably supposed to. And they kick you out of the server sometimes and like you have to just all this loading time or connecting time because it's not just literal the game loading that problem isn't that bad at least on pc i'm playing on pc so (laughs) there's different complaints on different consoles perhaps because loading time is a lot longer on ps4 than on ps5 and then the loading time is a lot faster on pc than it is on ps5 so essentially i i gotta give The lobby's probably a C minus right now, maybe a D plus. I like the effort they're putting into it. I think they're trying to build something really cool, but it just doesn't work properly. It literally doesn't work properly. Uh, So it's close to almost an F because it's just literally not working right. You know, it's almost failing. It works barely, you know, it's it's a a D. You're putting in just enough not to fail because I can play matches from time to time, uh, but it's not consistent, right? This is incredibly important to fix. Right now, it's not a huge issue for me. I'm a busy person. I don't get to play a lot. But when I do want to play, I want it to play. I'm not going to sit here and complain about the game being bad because of that issue. But if your game becomes close to unplayable, that is an issue because then I can't do what I paid for. And that's access to game. So I'm confident that they're going to fix this issue. But... Also, I have to acknowledge if they don't fix this issue, this isn't a game that I'm going to support in the future, and I'm going to be more hesitant to support the developers in the future because it's a massive oversight. It's a really, really big issue. They have this perfect storm right now, and I feel like they're squandering their opportunity because of a really ambitious attempt to make something that nobody asked for. I like the lobbies because they're kind of cool, but they didn't need that. They could have just done something very, very, very simple, but just had good netcode. All they have to do is make it to where players can play matches against their opponents in a quick fashion and also preferably have lobbies where friends or people who want to play in the same lobby can easily access that and then play matches. Right. So private matches and rank matches or, or in public lobbies, they didn't need to build a whole 2D world with elevators and towers and, and all this stuff, but they did. And nobody asked for it. People were complaining about it, and it seems like they, they took more time to work on the functionality of the lobby itself rather than just getting people to be able to play matches easier. And that is the that is huge issue. That is a concern for me. Um, if anything else I talk about here, that is the only thing that they need to work on that is putting in danger whether or not I'm going to play this game consistently. And play this game online, at least. So I want to support this game. I I am very hopeful for this game. I'm biased towards this game. I am genuinely enjoying it, and I'm excited to learn more about this game. Uh, But they got to get that working. They got to. Now, that bleeds into the next topic, which is the opinion of the community. And I'm not going to say this is the most divisive fighting game, because I think Street Fighter V takes the cake for me. Uh, And then only to be followed up by Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. But I feel like the the controversy around Infinite was a lot faster. It was like, this game looks trash, this game looks trash, this game is trash, it's trash. Done. That was basically the timeline of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite's lifespan. Street Fighter V has had a redemption arc. A really slow anime redemption arc. Where it started off where people were complaining about People were really hype about it, really hype about it, then complaining about it, then complaining about it, and dunking on it, complaining about it. And then, like, oh, wait, wait this character's in there? Okay, cool, but it's still complaining about it. But wait, 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 this this character's in there too? Oh, okay. Still complaining about it. Oh, wait, this mechanic happened, and these characters are in it too? Wait, that character's gonna be in it? Uh, you know, it's still trash, but I'ma play it, I'ma mess with it, I'ma mess with it. To, like, you know, people saying this game is now really good. It's been very long. It's been very dragged out. So I don't think the controversy around this game is as bad, but I think the controversy around this game is more important. Because I think there's a battle happening here between developers and consumers. Uh, And it's the battle of the netcode. The netcode is something that I think is legitimately important for the future of online fighting games. Uh, I I think this pandemic has helped people realize that a lot more because a lot of us aren't able to play offline and as such we're having withdrawals and really want to play the game, but we want to play the game in good conditions. A lot of fighting games don't have good online conditions, and that's been exposed a lot. And also a lot of people are stressed out and angry, so they're more inclined to complain about stuff because their situation is already really crappy outside of the fighting game they're complaining about, right? They're already just really upset. Uh, politically charged, socially charged. There's a lot of anger happening around the world, at least in America, but around the world in general. And so this 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 weird storm of watching the FGC be excited for this game and be excited for good netcode and want to support this game strictly because it has good netcode. But then also, there are a lot of older Guilty Gear players who hate this game adamantly because it's not what they want. I, I'm a little biased against this mentality and people like this because uh, i think it's a very toxic mindset a lot of people are getting mad and offended about this game because it's not what they want it to be now they're allowed to not like this game but there are people out there who are actively trying to convince others that this game is bad and like trying to find every single opportunity they can and every meme they can to prove that this game is bad Uh, and they're just waiting and chomping at the bits to just do that. It happens every game. They they did the same thing with Infinite, they did the same thing with Street Fighter, they did the same thing with Tekken. They just want to hate on a game because it's not the game that they they knew. It's like, in in Street Fighter 4, it was Third Strike. In Street Fighter 5, it was, it's not 4. Or Third Strike. You know, uh, Tekken 7, I think people complained about that because it wasn't tagged. I, I heard that argument from time to time. It's not as popular now, but it was a complaint. Marvel's Capcom Infinite, you know, it did legitimately look bad, but the mechanics of the game were pretty fun. But it just, it, it wasn't Marvel 3. It wasn't UMVC 3. UMVC 3 wasn't Marvel 2. It, it, that pattern has existed for a long time, but it just feels insanely obnoxious with Guilty Gear for some reason. Maybe it's because I just know a lot of Guilty Gear players that don't like this game. And we're really hating on this game. But now I'm already starting to see some of their opinions change. And you know, I'm glad to see that. You know, I don't want to hate on people. But it's just... If you're if you're one of those people who are hating on the game... First off, I, I just challenge you to not look at this game for what you want it to be. This is a game that other people are making. And you are at the will of what they create. And you just need to accept that. You have no right. And you're not entitled to what this game is and is not. It's incredibly, incredibly ignorant and selfish to demand what someone else should create with their IP. You have every right to your opinion and to express it, but you don't have a right to tell someone else what their game is and is not, and you don't get the right to convince me that a game is bad because it's not what you want it to be. It's incredibly frustrating to hear that, from people who claim they want to grow the FTC or, or embrace the FTC, but then they're shitting on a game because it's not what they want. Now I'm not talking about the people who just don't like the game. I'm talking about those people that are out there trying to convince people. I gotta reiterate this because I don't want people to get offended by me and take it wrong. Because if you're if you don't like something, that is fine. This is the same issue I had with working with coworkers at GameStop and them giving their review of a game to a customer, or a potential customer, and how they'll say a game is bad because of A, B, and C. And it's like, no, you do not like this game because of A, B, and C. Now, there are literal examples where maybe the mechanics are bad, or the graphics just are not good. You know, maybe the quality of the music or the audio isn't good. There's ways of measuring that sort of stuff with, like, the fidelity, or if the the mechanics work as intended, and if as intended is manageable and doable and and rewarding and fun if played properly those are things that can be measured but i'm talking about games that are considered good by a large number of people you know getting eights and nines and tens but they are saying this game is bad there's a difference between your opinion and fact and you really shouldn't blur that line and you really shouldn't Take actions based on that blurred line. Now, obviously, you can't see that line if it's blurred for you. (laughs) But uh, you got to learn to to know when you're being subjective, when you're being objective, and when you're being obnoxious about something. And it's really obnoxious to try to convince people that a game is bad because you don't like it. Again, you're allowed to feel whatever the hell you want to (laughs) feel. But you got to let other people enjoy shit that you don't like. Don't get mad because other people are enjoying a game. I don't know why people think that way. I don't understand it, but you don't need to take away someone else's fun because you don't like something. Be happy that they're happy, right? That's the same logic I have when new characters come out in a game and it's not a character that I like. Or even, like, I actively dislike this character. I'm still happy that other people are happy. Because it keeps them playing a game they like. It keeps the FGC strong. You know, they they are enjoying themselves and they're not hating on a game. It's good. So, like what you like and don't like what you don't like. But let other people enjoy what they want to do. That's that's the main thing for me. That's the main takeaway of this episode because it's just been kind of draining to hear it a lot. Uh, I finally, Now that the game's finally out, people are finally starting to understand that this game is a good game, and it's harder to make those arguments. The only argument is those online lobbies, and that is something that I'm going to circle back to here and quickly say that they got to get those fixed. I absolutely believe they got to get those fixed because if not, this game could potentially die to the community you know in terms of the fgc and its support if they don't fix that that's that's my prediction i think if they do fix that this will be a well-loved game and they can bring new updates and new characters come out to this game and guilty gear finally gets the light it deserves so let me know what you guys think in the comment section feel free to dm me on twitter links down in the description down below thank you guys so much as always for the support and i'm gonna see you guys in the next one